head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 249 of the Severe MMA podcast, the award-winning Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by an up-and-comer. And old Sprout coming up in the world of MMA media, Irish MMA media, Andy Stevenson. Andy, how are you? <laughs> That's some introduction there. How are you doing, Sean? I, can't, to be- I can't complain, though. We did a good old weekend last weekend at Bellator, and we talking a bit of shite, doing a bit of reporting, doing a bit of video and all that sort of thing. How, how did you, how, how are you recovered from it? I um I I don't know if I'm recovered because you just the next weekend roll, rolls around and then you're up till four o'clock in the morning watching fights again. So there's no uh, no rest for the wicked. But yeah, it was a good good crack, good weekend. Um, it's good to see everyone. Indeed. Fights themselves were were oh, they're all right. There were some good fights, some less less good. <laughs> but uh, yeah. overall, it was an enjoyable ex- experience. Yeah, I suppose before we kind of move on to this weekend, it, usually after a big Irish maker, I think people probably saw, I, I tweeted out like the biggest episodes of last year and stuff, and it was after the, the cage warriors car down in Cork, and I suppose maybe it was because there was only like two people down there covering it, or, or two uh, um, uh, entities, I suppose, down there covering it, that maybe they're, we were the only ones there, so they had no option to listen to that. But with other ones like that as well, when there's big Irish MMA fights, there tends to be like a big listenership on the podcast, uh, and last week kind of it was killed <laughs> like it was you know we had the obviously huge for for mcgregor and it's been big ever since that even with you know weeks you maybe wouldn't think it'd be big just after the kind of the mcgregor uh what are them small earthquakes that happen after shockwaves there you go uh, but last week it kind of died a death it was as if like people were kind of put off by it and that'll obviously rebound again it'll probably rebound again this week and people will get back into mma and stuff but it feels like that Bellator card. A lot of people went there, and obviously, you know, a lot of people going to the event will be listening to this podcast, Irish MMA podcast. People going to an Irish MMA event, but it feels like it just dampened people's spirits a little bit. You know, you even saw kind of towards the end of the card where people were were leaving and getting out of there and stuff. And as we see with the the London card coming up here now soon, it's it's uh, a, a, you know pretty good card. You have Fabian Edwards in the co-main event, James Gallagher and and uh, Cal Eleanor in the main event as well, but. You know, I, I, we won't get into a big discussion here or anything, but it's an important time for Irish MMA. Someone kind of beginning to cover Irish MMA has been a fan of Irish MMA for a long time. It's it's an important period, isn't it, with the with Bellator and and the UFC coming back as well for Bellator to kind of... They've staked their claim over the last five years, haven't they, but them to kind of keep that claim as the top dog in, in Ireland. Yeah, I think it's a very exciting time for Irish MMA. As you said, it was kind of dampened last week. I mean, I think there was definitely some positives to take away from from the weekend. I mean, I think that um, Lydia McCourt did a great job um, kind of stepping up into that role. I mean, she was under a lot of pressure, kind of to a lot of uh, media. Um, she had a lot of media appearances that she had yeah. to do. And then, and I know it was a tough way because she was talking she had to cut off her hair. And, and then, I mean, the fight itself, it wasn't the most entertaining fight in the world, but I, I didn't necessarily expect it to be. Um, and I think Leah kind of did as, 
as well as she could have done and, and she performed and, and she got the win so um, I think just the it was kind of unfortunate for Bellator in a way because it wasn't necessarily all their fault. Like mm-hmm. obviously they lost the, the Queeley fight, they lost the Gallagher fight, and on fight day, uh, we got news that Full Mo Peter wasn't going to be fighting because uh, Daniel Crawford had to withdraw medical issue. So it was it kind of hit by a bit of bad luck as well. And then I mean I suppose the big draws that were left in the card, the likes of Kiefer Crosby. I mean you have the fans of the arena can watch the fight, but ultimately when it's at uh, 3 a.m. on Sky Sports, not many people are going to be tuning in when they already know the results. Yeah, and the fact that it was down the card as well and Kiefer Crosby, like when, when Kiefer Crosby comes out every time, it seems like the main event. You know, even if Queeley yeah, and Gallagher get, get a bigger pop, he always seems like he's a main event attraction, doesn't he? And when that happened there and there was a main event after that and it wasn't the same, and then there was a second main event after that and it wasn't the same either. It was, yeah, it was a bit odd, but sure, we've, we've talked about it. as well. Like, I put up on Twitter that um, the Ilias Bullied fight had, was, had been moved to a problem and a dark match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very surprised that there was a lot of uh, pushback on that one. Like he seems to have a, a decent amount of support, at least from what I saw online. Um, so I mean, they do have fighters that they can push there. Um, it's just a case of kind of Bellator putting two steps, uh, two feet in front of them, and, and not tripping over themselves by kind of the way they're structuring these cards. But I mean, overall, it wasn't the the greatest of nights. But um, there's some positives to take away from it. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's probably their first setback in Ireland. You know, we've probably criticised them coming into cards a lot, and they've proven us wrong every time. But this time. They kind of, it was it was so foreseeable maybe that it was always kind of going to happen. But as I said, this might be good for Irish MMA fans. In the day, it's a good thing. Like yeah. I, mean, I think there's a bit of a, there's definitely a bit of momentum kind of behind Irish MMA right now, and I think mm-hmm. people are starting to get excited again. I mean, if you look around, um, I'm trying to start keeping track of all the different cards because there there does seem to be a number of local shows and, and domestic shows that are being put on now. Um, obviously, Clan Wars was on this weekend. Most of them, the majority of them, are still open in Belfast or, or up the north. Um, so ideally we want to have more kind of down south. I know it's difficult to put on these, um, these events for the promotions um, from a financial perspective and, and the clearance that they need from the likes of Safe MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is a good time in, in, in Irish MMA that there's cage conflict around. Uh, you've Clan Wars. Um, uh, Clan Wars, I think, they've got that that air sport deal that yeah. um, well the highlight shows but even little things like that will i mean it's not it's not ideal because you want to see them live but the fact that that would be on and maybe someone sitting at home pissed drunk on a saturday night and that comes on and they say oh geez what's this yeah. um, and then they might pick a bit of interest and obviously you've got cage warriors i mean c- the fact that cage warriors are coming back multiple times starting now that's that's huge i think that's the biggest kind of story for irish mma at the moment because we can see that progression we can see the likes of reese mckee fighting for a title now in may mm-hmm. um, and then kind of potentially pushing on to that ufc slot you have the likes of paul hughes uh, we've talked about all these guys paul hughes um ian gary um you've got uh, john mccoggan all these guys kind of coming up decky mcalean and mm-hmm. uh, so there's there's a bit of a rebirth in irish mma you know pro bellum are coming to belfast i think and uh, later on in the year a few of the team rhino guys have signed for them so there, there do seem to be a lot more options um so I think it's it's a good time for Irish MMA, and I think the next kind of year will be very interesting to see kind of how the different promotions kind of interact together and, and how they compete. Um, and if we'll see, I mean, I know Bellator have a lot of fighters signed them, but will we see Bellator fighters kind of moving away to other promotions? I don't know. I, the money is quite good there, so maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's very exciting, and I think there's there's space for all the promotions. I know there's been some rivalries, there's been some back and forth between Graham Boylan and, and Bellator and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's it's a great thing that we've all these promotions coming, um, and I think that they can all exist in the same space. And, and ultimately, it's just great for Irish MMA in general. Yeah, it is interesting. I have to mention Cage Legacy as well. Two weeks time, they're yes. 
coming back as well. I'll be going up to that one. Very good. And that's uh, they've obviously, you know, they've led the way in the Republic of Ireland MMA anyway. I know the the lads up the north have done a good thing, but I have to to mention him. uh, It's actually a very good guard coming up there. And they've uh, my boy Valdrim Lubashanti is back again. He's fighting Patrick Lahan. That is a fantastic. You won't won't find a better amateur fight than that anywhere in the world. That's that's a fantastic fight. And we saw it last week, you know, by the. um, We'll get off Irish women now, but the, the. the uh the Blanchia fight uh versus Asel last week, the SBG versus Team Rhino, zero and zero versus zero and zero. We were the two of us were watching were like open oh, mouth kind of watching. Like that's that's two pro debutants fighting there. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's not like I'm blowing smoke up by Irish and Mayor's arse right to here, but go and watch that fight. Like it was fifteen minutes of an absolutely fantastic fight. Honestly, you won't see better quality. So I think like I think the people emerging in Irish MMA coming through are are doing unbelievably well it's taken to the next level it's always going to be tough because you know that's the same everywhere it's it's grand to have a very good fighter but it takes a, a special fighter to be get to the next level and get to the ufc and get to the top 15 or whatever but I, I, there's lots of options there now for lots of them so maybe uh maybe that will happen over the next while but anyway let's get into uh obviously we're going to talk about the, the big pay-per-view card coming up next weekend but let's talk about last night's uh ufc card first we've davidson figueredo fighting joseph benavides in the main event obviously davidson figueredo missed weight uh on friday for the flyweight for the vacant flyweight title one and now the flyweight title seems like it's it's still vacant. <laughs> it's just a, a bit of a mess. <laughs> a, a, an absolute like it's a disaster for the weight class. I've I've been a big proponent, obviously, of flyweight, but I see like there's lots of people coming out this week. Fly never die. Fly never die. Lots of people coming out this week saying the, the division should be wrapped up and all. And I don't think there's ever been a better argument for the division to be wrapped up than than this week, honestly, because you've you've lost Dimitri Shanson, right? You're the GOAT at the division, the GOAT in any division, arguably, I, I'd argue that way. You've lost Henry Cejudo, who seemed to be like the draw coming through. You've lost even the likes of Ian McCall, who was maybe the person we thought could be a draw if he was to beat Demetrius Johnson and come through. Now Joseph Benavidez has lost who you think is maybe the next best guy after Demetrius Johnson who beat uh, Henry Cejudo. So, like, what's left now? And I know there's some really good fighters and really good fights as well. But they have such... You know, they have such few fighters there at the moment. I think there's only... There's only, like, 16 fighters or something signed. I, I think there was 15 and they signed someone this week. So that, that amount of fighters signed in the division right now in the UFC with the title vacant... I don't know. I, like... Uh, before I was always like, there's some great fighters here, some great fights, but lots of those great fighters are gone now, and there's there can only be fucking eight fights at any one time in the division. So it's, do you think the division might be doomed here at this stage? Uh it's just depressing. Um, it's I mean, look, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like this, it's in disarray. Like what what's gonna happen? Like Henry Henry Cejudo's vacated the title. Like does he come back now and, and does he fight or is he just gonna stay at one thirty five? I mean he's relinquished his title now. So mm-hmm. maybe he just doesn't care about making that, that uh weight cut anymore. I mean he he can still play up that that triple champ persona and he's gonna run with his, his gimmick. But I mean it's such a shame. Like I, I understand from the perspective of the division and, and the competitiveness and, and the lack of fighters I guess in it. But they also released the I mean like Getting rid of Demetrius Johnson was just, I think, just one of the worst decisions yeah. they could have made. I know that they got asking, and I know that they ended up getting, I suppose, Masvidal out of that because of that, that amazing flying EKO and things like that. But I mean, imagine, like, imagine having that now, like, okay, obviously he missed weight, but like that figure eight versus 
versus Demetrius Johnson fight. Like you can hype that fight up now uh, after that performance against Benavidez. And like anyone who says that flyweights are boring or that flyweights are just not, not fun to watch is complete bullshit. Because yeah. if you watched that fight last night, it was incredible. Like Figueiredo had him, uh, almost had him in that armbar. They was some wild exchanges on the feed. Uh, Benavidez cracked him a number of times on the exit um, as he kind of broke from the clinch and stuff like that. And then obviously Figueiredo ultimately put him down um, with that thunderous right hand. So, I mean, that was the, in my opinion, that was probably the best fight in the card, I would say. Um, I know it only lasted kind of less than two rounds, but I mean, I thought it was a fantastic fight. And, and how anyone could say that flyweights are boring or that flyweights are uninteresting, they're just fucking idiots, to be honest. Now, I do, like, I get the perspective, okay, like, from a, from a, entertainment point of view and that, like there's not many people who trash talk and obviously Henry Cejudo has been doing his thing and, and, and whether that's success or unsuccessful I don't, I don't really know I'll leave that for someone else to decide but um, it's just a shame because there's so many high level fights there and, and it's it's really it's just depre- it just depresses me to think that they'll just get rid of this now after kind of they it looked like it was on its way out the door and then we're thinking okay it's been uh, and also like the fact this narrative about like Henry Cejudo saving it or someone else saving it it's yeah. bullshit yeah, it's the UFC that have the full control yeah. they decide whether it's there or not if Demetrius Johnson or whoever else the original uh, roster who were there were still in place it'd be the exact same thing yeah, that's exactly it. Like, are people making up these kind of, <laughs> to quote Conor McGregor, these mad narratives to, to talk <laughs> about why they should get rid of the, rid of the division. Baloney, Sean. <laughs> but, like, people, you know, the, the one thing people have always said were these lads are not draws. They're not, you know, bringing in any money. They're not bringing in any excitement. You said there, like, I've, I've said it a hundred times, that the fights are always great. Like, flyweight fights are rarely bad. You can, you know, sometimes you can you can look at maybe lower weight fights, lower weight women's fights and things like, and say, oh, they, they're always, they're always going to go to a three-round decision and things like that. But there's, at the moment, like, a lot of these guys are so closely matched that there's either exciting fights or, like, so, so such a high skill that there's going to be submissions or, or, uh, or knockouts. And you get tired watching them. <laughs> you do. But the thing about it is, like, did, did that narrative that, they're not drawing money. They're not drawing people in. Who in the UFC is drawing people in? Like, who is drawing big money? V- very, very few. Like, we see Dave Meltzer always releases the, the reports over in uh, the, the Wrestling Observer and over in uh, MMA Fighting as well. We, You know, they're, Conor McGregor's a draw. John Jones' a draw. Maybe on television, if you put Gaethje there, he's going to be a draw. Or if you put, you know... Uh, Whoever, you know, if you put a title fight, maybe this will be a bit of a draw, or any title fight, you know, whatever, it might be a bit of a draw, but there's no one in the prelims going to be a big draw, there's no one opening the card going to be a big draw, let's be honest here, this is an excuse, this is just a mad narrative, that's all it is, like, if you put a, a light heavyweight you know, top 15, you know, barely top 15, like that Kutalaba fight last night, nobody knows who they are, like, let's be honest here, it might be a good fight, it might be a bad fight, who knows, like, same as Flyweight, it's, it's as if we're saying, these lads are boring, they're not drawing, so we need to get rid of the division, well, nobody's drawing, apart from the big boys, regardless of weight class, and their fights are not bad, so, I feel like it's just you created this for a to help the UFC have a reason to get rid of the division. Now, I think actually the reason now the fact that they have no fighters and the fact that the <laughs> the, the guy missed weight that's probably the best reason they've ever had to get rid of the division. To be honest, and they've lost all their top fighters from the division. That's a good reason. You know, I've always said the the re- one reason never to bring in cruiserweight. You know, people have argued for that is because you will not have enough top fighters. I think yeah, that's the other divisions. Yeah, then. that's the best reason for the division. So, it's 
it's an interesting one, but I, I'd still keep the division. Like, I think they should invest in the division. I think they should sign lads, bring them in, sign 10 flyweights, do another flyweight season of the Ultimate Fighter, or do, you know, half yeah. flyweight, half another division, and reignite that division. But Yeah, yeah I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Zane Simon's list here, and the 17 fighters, including Ray Borg, who, I mean, he's essentially a bantamweight. Um, but, like, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, like, there's <laughs> there's not a lot of depth there, but, I mean, there are still some, for, for the, the short-term period, there are some narratives that you can do. Like, if they can get... Uh, Henry Cejudo to stay around and say, okay, like let's take a few more fights at flyweight. There's a number of fights you can make there. I mean, obviously the the obvious one is is the Figueroa versus uh, Cejudo for the mm-hmm. the true title. But then um, you have Jose Formiga as well, who beat uh, Figueroa there in a decision recent or a year or two ago. So I mean, there are there's a few matchups you can make there still. I don't think I don't think he's fought Cejudo either. So Formiga could be uh, someone they can use for either of them there. But um. I don't know, yeah, but then you've got the likes of Kai Car France kind of coming up as well, and mm-hmm. a few others. But like, I mean, yeah, it is this. It's slim pickings, but I mean, if they invest in it, then yeah, <laughs> just 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 sign some flyweights or don't release any. Yeah, I, like I think the thing with Tahuda as well. I think we kind of have to forget about Tahuda now because uh, I know uh, Chael Sonnen, I think was said, and you can kind of you know 99% of what Sonnen said is just bullshit but and you know and he knows it's bullshit as well I'm not saying he's brilliant job ranting here but he you know he said about uh, Henry Suda they got injured recently and it's when you're already a big guy at the weight and then you get injured again it's just tougher to get down to that weight again because you maybe you have that few months out of it and you can't get to that exact you know shape that you need to get to again I think I don't think we'll ever see Henry Suda that's kind of like McGregor when he left 145 it's just he was already a tight weight could getting down there I just don't yeah. think he's getting again but there's, there's a reason why he's fighting Jose Aldo I mean he's looking for those the bigger fights the more prominent fights that can sell a narrative they can sell a storyline and the people know and, and when he's got options at 135 and, and he's calling for Volkanovski at 145 then I mean those are a lot bigger fights from a from a money point of view than um than any flyweight really yeah possibly but I, like, I think he'd probably get the same money for any of them but however yeah, he'll just you know make his name bigger yeah, exactly, yeah, from, from an exposure point of view yeah to get maybe future money than more than anything yeah. but yeah um Speaking of, you know, the fight last night, anyway, as you said, a really, really good fight. Uh, that armbar attempt early, it was almost there, you know, Figueroa, uh, Figueroa almost had it. Um, I thought he was just landing the better shots throughout the first three and a half minutes uh, of the round. Joseph Benavidez had a very good last minute, 90 seconds. He was landing some t- hard punches inside. He rocked Figueroa uh, at one stage, and they both kind of got knocked down at the end of the round. I saw all three judges gave it to Benavidez. I was a little bit surprised. It was a very very close round but I, I, I just thought the I thought the effectiveness of the grappling you know almost getting that armbar he was he, you know we, we always say uh, the, the, the judging podcast I did with Ben Carter forcing someone to defend like that is effective grappling I thought that was very effective grappling there I thought he had the more effective striking for most of the round now Benavidez the, the immediately impactful and striking Benavidez I suppose did have that late in the round but I thought Figueroa had a bit of it as well it, it was a close round but I was surprised when I saw all three judges giving it to, to Figueroa but however you know the, the start of the second yeah. in we had that clash of heads uh, the blood was coming but I thought just uh, you know it didn't go too long but just before I thought Figueroa was landing cleaner as well Benavidez like this was the this is the sort of fight that you look at during the week and you talk about it, and we talked about it in the podcast and everywhere and you know it's evenly matched up if you look at their skills they're very evenly matched up and everything like that and then they step inside there and you're looking at the two of them together and like this guy is just bigger and stronger than the other guy I, th- I really thought it was one of those and every shot that Benavides was landing it was kind of 
he was putting himself right in the fucking the lion's den to land that shot. He was putting yeah, really himself. He really wildly, wasn't he? Yeah. He, like, he, he massive overhand left and right. He, and I think he kind of needed to do that. Like, it was a very, I don't know, brave or foolhardy, the right word, fight from Joseph Benavidez. He was getting in there and he was giving himself the chance to win, but he was also giving Figueroa the chance to beat him. And that, mm. you know, that's what happened in you. What did you think of the clash of heads? Obviously, it was a clash of heads. The blood came streaming down and then Figueroa hit him with the big knockout blow and knocked him out immediately. Do you think there was anything <laughs> wayward with the, the clash of heads or anything? I don't think there's anything way with it, but I, I mean, did it have an effect on on Benavides? Probably, mm-hmm. um, I, but ultimately, that's not Figueroa's fault, and yeah. and it was it was Benavides who was kind of leading with his head, as he said, as he just throwing the shot. So, I mean, if anything, it was it was almost Benavides' fault that it happened. But I mean, look, it's just one of those things where a head happened is accidental. Could it have had an effect in the fight? Yes, but I mean, if you look at that straight right that Figueroa threw, it hit him like a truck straight down the gullet. And I mean, would he have would he have knocked him out with that one anyway? Maybe mm-hmm. um, it's impossible to say. Like, would I, I'd like to see a rematch. Um, I don't think it would make any sense to have it next. But I mean, maybe later down the road. I don't know what Joe Benavides is going to do now. He's had a long career, and I'm sure, like he looked so dejected. And I mean, I kind of put out. I was like, oh, can we stop interviewing concussed fighters? Oh, I mean, terrible, I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think there was anything wrong with. Like, I, I don't blame Bisping whatsoever for that. I don't mm-hmm. blame. Uh, th- that particular interview, we was fine. Yeah, I thought I thought Benavides handled himself perfectly, but it was just as soon as he was giving him the mic, I was like, "Oh no!" Like I really don't want to see this. Um, but look, uh, did it have an effect? I think it probably did. I mean, he, it was a serious gash in his head. He was a, kind of t- a pawn at it immediately. Um, uh, but I mean, you can't knock Figueredo. And like when you have a guy like Figueredo, wasn't he? Was he grew up in the jungles of Brazil or yeah. something like that? Crazy childhood. I mean, when you come from like as they said in the broadcast, like you're coming from nothing. Like they talk about a lot of fighters, like people who talk, they say Conor McGregor coming from nothing. There's a difference between Conor McGregor coming from yeah. Cumberland and a guy like Figueredo who's literally nothing. Mm-hmm. He has nothing. this is all he has, and he's fighting. This is he's reached the pinnacle of his sport, probably his his life fighting for a UFC title. Obviously, it wasn't on the line because he missed weight. But I mean, when you've got that kind of that grit and that that um determination coming from a place like that, I mean. At the back of my mind, I was like, oh, he's just a scary, scary man. And I was kind of, every time they were exchanging, I was thinking, oh, I was kind of waiting for a big shot to land. Um, even though I picked Benavides to come in, I, th- I thought he was kind of the overall better fighter um, or martial artist. But uh, it's figure out it just has that dog inside him and, and he looked phenomenal. Yeah, like I picked Benavides as well. And I kind of, it was two minutes into the round and I kind of immediately, fuck, I'm probably yeah. wrong in that week. It was, it was one of those, but uh, like, I don't think an immediate rematch would be the worst thing in the world. If you want to keep the title around, I know there's... I'm just trying to pull up the, the list of fighters here, but I think there's there's one fight at the moment scheduled in the in the flyweight division, and, you know, what do you got? It's Brandon Marino versus Juicy Farmiga at uh, UFC Brasilia, not, not too far away. Would you make that five rounds and make it a title fight and just get the title back on the line? They, that You know, that's a thing that's kind of popped up before that they could have done in other situations. Um... But they've never so done it. Do you mean? Do you mean having Formiga and Marino for the title? Yeah, like um, just yeah, just to get the, if they want to get the title back on on the line, do that, or else you know put Figueroa versus the winner of that for the title. But yeah, it would feel a bit weird. To, I mean, it's one of those weird situations. Like, would you even is it possible to have an interim title when there's no title? Ah, uh, well, no, if, not, Does that even, if you were to have a title, it, now would it just be? The yeah, I know it'd feel a bit weird having Formiga versus Marino for the title when 
yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like two other two other lads just fought yeah, the title, basically. Yeah, and then Suda just vacated it. So there's like two other lads who kind of have claim to the title, and then yeah, I don't know. It'd be it'd be kind of like the Khabib uh, Khabib versus Ayakinta one, I think. Yeah, I'm the. At least it would create a story there, because yeah, Figueroa would be the, yeah. the uncrowned champion, you know, and then we'd have another champion. Yeah, that's true. I, I think it, it can't, like, it makes no sense, but it might end up making <laughs> a bit of sense. sense. <laughs> in, in the end, it might be a cloud and a silver lining, but but however... They could get, they could get away with it, and yeah. at the moment, with the state of the division, they, they need to get away with whatever they can, so... Yeah, they do, they do. What would you rate that fight out of 10? The Benavidez Figueroa one? Yeah. Oh, I'm a rookie at this now. Okay, let me think. What was it? Okay, what was what was the seven to eight criteria? So let me just pull it up here. Hold on one second. So the seven to eight is a is a good fight, right? If you're going eight to nine, that's you're you're talking you're talking fight of the year candidate there. So the, from from five to six is good, I, but I'll lacking it, usually one sided. Six to seven, a very a good fight. Seven to eight, a great fight. A seven point eight. Yeah, ah, that's that's a professional score. In fairness, that is. I, I'm giving it a seven point one, just because I thought it was a very, very, very good fight. But maybe because of that headbutt, if if it had gone, if it had gone longer, if this this had gone maybe four rounds, and it was, you know, I thought I thought Figueroa was going to dominate the fight for however long it went. But let's say Benavidez got those shots. Like we could have been talking in the high eights here. I really, I like, I think this had a prospect, but the fact that it ended the kind of the way it did and it looked more one-sided than maybe, than maybe it should have been if it had got, you know, because Benavides would have got his licks in as well. And I think maybe the, the cardio would have played into it as well with a tough way, but the, the longer it had gone, it might have been a different fight. But I, I'm giving it a 7.1. I think that might be a little bit low, but, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's just about there. Look, I, I really, really enjoyed the fight. The, that first round, that first round has to be one of the rounds of the year, honestly. That was a, just a, fa- a fantastic round. Yeah. It was almost about three knockouts. It was almost a, almost a submission. Just it's one of those fights, that, one of those rounds that you can go back and watch again and again and like, yeah. I, like I'm, look, I'm looking forward to kind of reaching out to, to like say Ben Carter I'm sure you've been talking to him to Ben Carter and saying like how did you score that or or how would a judge look at that round because as you said like I at the end of the round I was kind of like okay that was I think that was um, Benavidez's round but then I was thinking oh hang on though that arm bar so like that was more impactful or like kind of directly impactful rather than kind of like a cumulative damage and mm-hmm. wish you wait so I know we kind of harp on about judging her uh, a lot but um, it's, it's a very interesting one I thought to, to score and and um, yeah, it was, it was just a great fucking round. Yeah, it was really, really good. So, I suppose let's see what happens with the title. Um, let's run through the cards, the the rest of it, pretty quickly. The the two women's featherweight fights. You know, it was funny. I tweeted out last night. We finally have options at women's featherweight. This is maybe the first time ever we've had options at women's featherweight. Uh, Felicia Spencer beat Zara Fernando Santos and uh, Megan Anderson, who blocked me on Twitter for no reason. <laughs> has, has, legend, uh, legend, 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 knocked out. Uh, more people should block you on Twitter, I think. They, they actually <laughs> should. They really should. Uh, like, Megan Anderson shot right down through the mid like that. It was very good, but what came before that didn't really give me pause for, you know, <laughs> for watching a fucking no. Amanda Nunes fight. I, neither of them did, really. But I, I think, think, yeah. Felicia <laughs> Spencer's dominance, you know, was pretty good, but she's had a chance at a big fight already. Who who would you go for? I'd go, I'd go with Felicia Spencer. Um yeah, I, like w- watching that Megan Megan Anderson fight, 
I thought it was a bit ropey at first um, mm-hmm. in the exchanges. I, I didn't necessarily think she was getting the better of them until um, she obviously knocked her out. But um, I'd rather see the Spencer fight. I think I think there's a much large, I think there's a huge gap in between either of them and Manu Nunes. So it's kind of, I don't want to say like leading lambs to slaughter, but it's a very fucking tough fight mm-hmm. for either of those uh, either of those ladies. But I think that Spencer has shown her durability. Um, and that's that cyborg fight, she took her to the distance. I mean, she got she got beaten very comprehensively against Cyborg, but she was still thrown the entire time. She was she had a chin, serious chin on her. So I think that we could see a more exciting fight against Amanda Nunes. I think she could put up more of a challenge and, and maybe her durability would stand to her a bit more than Megan Anderson, but um I don't fancy either of them against against Amanda to be honest. Yeah, I, I actually wouldn't mind giving Megan Anderson maybe a little bit more time as well. i like yeah. I don't think she'll ever be good enough. I don't think she'll ever beat Nunes, but if she could have maybe two or three more fights and the ability to use her size more to her advantage and like you know, it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's just never. After watching last night, the way she struggled in the clinch, it's, it's yeah, I mean, never going to happen. But Felicia Spencer also submit her in the first round, so I mean that yeah, should have some sort of yeah. you know, yeah, waiting. So, I feel like Megan Anderson is going to get it though. <laughs> she just the UFC like her, and you know they've kind of pushed her since the second she came in the door, and I just feel like she's going to get it. But you know. It doesn't really matter, you know. Who, whoever wins, uh, or whoever gets the title shot, will will get destroyed by Manu. You know, I tweeted last night. You give, give her both of them at the same time. <laughs> more competitive, but yeah, Manu is just gonna absolutely tie with whoever gets it, and yeah, maybe the other not, one will get it down the line. There isn't that many there. Um, right, let's talk about this Magomed Ankalaya versus Ian Kutalaba fight. Obviously, it just an horrendous stoppage. Uh, it's you know at the start of the fight so uh, Kutalaba walks across the cage before the fight even started to like stare him down and just like walk straight at him no security no referee there to pull him apart or anything about three seconds after go, like going right to his face they decide to pull him apart and then there was like I looked at the referee and saw it was Kevin McDonald and yeah, that, happened, that happened before the fight, did it? That the, happened before the fight, yeah. Just, just oh, walked across. I, I, I miss. I, um, I don't know what I was doing, but I tuned back in right as it started. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that happened after the decision had been read out. Oh no, no, that happened before the fight. So they had to oh, be, right. they had to be pulled apart. So yeah, I was like, all right, here's Kevin McDonald. If this goes crazy, it's going to go very bad. Because I think Kevin McDonald is a very good referee, apart from when there's a panic in a fight. Because yeah. you know he just absolutely, very hesitant. absolutely panics. And in this fight, you know, it came out immediately. Ankalaev obviously had his ire up uh, and came out and just attacked Kutalaba, started hitting him with a few head kicks. Kutalaba wobbled, but he was thrown back. He hit him, you know, he hit him a few times. He was coming over the top of big overhand rights, and as he threw one big overhand right. Kevin McDonald just stepped in and stopped. This wasn't the case. I like I like standing stoppages when someone yeah. is bad. Like the like that James Webb fight. I thought that was a good stoppage. You know, I will I will argue for those and the fighter safety every time. I always argue that way. Uh, but when it's a, like a clearly bad stoppage like this, it's just like, uh, come on, it's it's, it's yeah. a clear panic. It was like a panic, wasn't it? That, yeah, that's exactly the nail on the head there. It's just like I, it was a terrible stoppage. I I hated the stoppage, but. At the same time, I understood why he did it. If you know what I mean, like I think what he was, I think what happened there was that uh, Kutalaba got hit with a, a few big shots, as you said, and he looked rock. It was his eyes were the kind of the key factor here. Like mm-hmm. if you, you saw in his eyes a number of times when he got hit, he just looked like he was there was no one at home. And I know he said after the fight, oh, like I was playing 
I don't know how true that is either. Like he was like I was playing like uh, playing dead almost, and then so, so then he could hit him with a big shot, like kind of playing with his opponent. But like that's a very dangerous game when you've got a referee standing looking at you there. Yeah. Um, and I think there was there was a, a moment uh, earlier in the fight when he got hit with one of those kicks when he was wobbled and he looked. I was like, oh, he's out, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And it, there was a split second there. If Kevin McDonald had stopped it at that point, I would have said, okay, that's a more reasonable stoppage. It still would have been a bit egregious because it would have been like, well, hang, give him a second here. Um, I mean, like if. Like if take a look at say like like that Nathaniel Wood uh, Josh Reed fight, that could have been stopped twenty five times. Um, yeah. McDonald's, um, but uh, it's just terrible. I mean, look, look. Ultimately, when what a referee is looking for to stop a fight is, you have to be defending yourselves. Mm-hmm. And what's what everyone says? Oh, what's the best form of defense? Offense. He's literally thrown a big shot as you step in. Like he's defending himself there. I don't care what you say. If you're throwing a shot back, you're defending yourself. Uh-huh. So, well, it was just <laughs> that's not always the case. But, uh, like, if you're throwing a shot back and someone's after hitting you with 50 shots, you know, is it an intelligent defense? You know, if you're throwing a shot and you're mounted and you're throwing punches, that's... Yeah, but that's, okay, yeah, that's but, fair enough. Yeah, but if you're if yeah. it's on the feet and, like, you're in the middle of the cage and, and yeah. he's throwing one, you throw one, I mean, like, let it go a bit, like... Mm-hmm. And that's exactly... You said it there. He's throwing one, you throw one. That's exactly the situation we had here because, okay, he was landing and... Uh, Ankalaev was landing and Kutalaba was missing but it wasn't a case of like like that like that James Webb fight you know where the, the guy is throwing like fucking 30 shots in a row maybe not all of them are landing but some of them are landing you know you're, he's just overwhelming him this wasn't the case here you know he was uh, Ankalaev was picking his shots hit, hit him with a head kick rocked him then he was coming back you know 10 seconds later 5 seconds later maybe he was throwing another shot it wasn't as if he was getting overwhelmed with 30 shots uh, you know I, I hate fight stats but if you I'm, I'm sure you bring up the stats he probably in, in in the in the uh, in the three minutes, and if you even look at the last minute, I'm sure he probably threw like 15 shots, something like that. It was it wasn't an overwhelming one, and also I think a good sign as well is when someone throws a shot. If you see him like falling down, especially at light heavyweight, when there's a guy is basically throwing to knock the other guy out, if he's like falling down and falls over, that wasn't the case here. You know, he was throwing his shots and he was coming back and he was there ready to get hit for the for the next one. If you know what I mean, like he was still standing there. He look, he he was rocked. There was, there's no denying. I'm not saying he was. Going in there you know playing a game of tiddlywinks and he was he was yeah. absolutely fine there was no question he was hurt but you know you were- the, yeah the key argument here for, for pro with the stoppages like his legs were wobbling all over the place but yeah they were but then there was three three or four seconds where he had regained his footing and then he threw the shot because he planted his feet so like either either stop it when he's completely rocked or if it's, yeah. it's just a hesitance on the the uncertainty of i think that's what McDonald probably saw it, oh, maybe, like, in the back of his mind, oh, maybe I should have stopped it there, maybe I should have stopped it there, because there was a few opportunities where it's it's borderline, but you can't you can't take those into consideration. You yeah. have to either make the call or don't, and then if you don't, then forget about it mm-hmm. uh, until such a time where it has to be stopped. And there'll be an argument as well that, you know, and people always say it's like, oh, any stoppage is good. You have to look after the safety of the fighter, and uh, the fighter, and you do. But like the, the safest thing for fighters not to do is not to fight at all. Like, yeah. when you get in there, you're in a fight. This is a fight. We, we like we can deny it all we want. We can talk it up. We can say it's you know mixed martial arts and all this. It's a fucking fight. Let uh, at the end of the day, it's a fight. And these guys got gone in there, and they know what they're they're doing. The referee's job is when that goes for you know intelligent defense that's what it is in the rules if you're not intelligently defending yourself you're not fighting back you're taking shots and you can't defend yourself that's when you stop the fight if someone is getting overwhelmed if it's too much too much even if you are intelligent you're defending yourself and you've just taken an overwhelming nonsense i think that's a good time to stop the fight or a good time to throw in the towel but this just it wasn't the case here i think i think fighters reactions say a lot as well because 
you, you see certain stoppages where the fighter are kind of like protesting to the ref, but like their backs against the cage. They're kind of like just hands up in the air, being like, "Oh, why'd you stop us?" Mm-hmm. Whereas like look at Kutilaba, as soon as he, as he stops it, he is screaming, jumping around the cage. Like he looks completely with it. That's not a fighter who looks rocked at that moment. Yeah, like, I, I don't think that's always a good sign either, though, because you know fighters <laughs> can record. I, I think actually you you make good, but like I think Ankalaev's kind of reaction was kind of that as well. He was like, I think Ankalaev was a little bit surprised yeah. that it was actually. I know afterwards he says it wasn't, but was he given? Uh, I couldn't really see. I couldn't see if it was his index or his middle. Was he given the middle finger to the crowd? Um, he as was, he was, as he was walking out, he was. <laughs> yeah, so I have to respect that too. But yeah, sure, look, these things happen to him. Um, your boy Grant Dawson then earlier in the card got a good submission after almost being submitted himself early in the first round you know nothing not really to write home. the rest of the card really there wasn't that much to, to write home about we'll, we'll he talk- like four pounds didn't he yeah well yeah. You know, these things been, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll get to Tom Breeze in a second but Marcin Sibora Spivak had a terrible fight. Uh, Kyler Phillips Silva, that was a pretty good fight. Luis Pena, he looked good as well. Got the back. I wonder, is Luis Pena still with AKA? I, I, like, I feel like there's a good fighter there in Luis Pena, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure he'll ever, he'll ever get there. With Jordan Griffin uh, against uh, TJ Brown with that uh, guillotine. And then we had the TKO of Spike Carlisle over Alan Cruz. That was the one where, uh, and Sean Brady won as well. That was the one where a lot of people were giving out, I think... Um, uh, Danny Rubenstein, the manager for Cruz, was saying they're going to put in um they're going to put in a uh, an appeal. I, I don't think there's any grounds for it to be honest. There was the there was an elbow at the start and it was a good elbow, and then there was maybe a couple of elbows to the back of the head. But when someone is moving and you hit to the back of the head, that's not a foul because they're moving. It's in the middle of uh, exchanges. That's just it, the way it's it's always what, been refereed. What was the big? Um, I saw some. It was about twelve to six elbows. That were people. Yeah, there computer. was there was no twelve to six elbows there. Like yeah. you have to be very very specific to have twelve to six elbows. They had to literally be from twelve in the clock all the way down straight down to six. There's it's almost no such thing as twelve to yeah, six elbows. It's such a tough one to call as well. Like it's a slight angle to it, and it's it slightly throws it off. So yeah. those are very. Yeah. The, most of the time, you see twelve to six elbows when it's like against the cage, and you can mm-hmm. see it exactly. They're coming down that way. Like I, I think it was, I think it was absolutely fine. I don't think there was anything wrong here. You know, barred line. I think it was refed well, but uh, there you go. Tom Breeze then. Look, when, when I saw Tom Breeze coming in here, I was like, Jesus, it's great <laughs> to see him back. It's fantastic, but. He, uh, they said on commentary he's won fight in the last four years and it kind of looked that way you know there's, he's in a great gym probably the best up and coming gym in the world like say maybe apart from the city kickboxing but just the you know and he's the one kind of training a lot of them lads and bringing them through like he's uh, they said on the broadcast he's had his mental and anxiety problems over the last few years and um, it was just great to see him back but he looked like a guy who made, I don't know if the game has passed him by but he looked like he was just in there and it wasn't this dominant fighter who absolutely, you know, fucking Banjax, Kyle Pinder, who went in there and just just destroyed guys for for a, a long time. It it didn't look like that guy. It looked like a you know, a shadow of his former self, to be honest. And maybe that's just the one fight coming back. And I'm not saying, you know, Tom Brees should go in and retire or anything. I give him one more fight. If this happens again, he's probably better off you know, staying in the in the training role because I, I like it's that game when you're out of the game for that long, one fight in four years, that's hard to come back from. And when you already maybe have the issues that maybe you're not a hundred percent into like you know 
you're not 100% mentally into fighting, you know, and you're not 100% mentally into becoming the best in the world just because of, of the things that are kind of drawing you back, it's it's just going to be really tough. And, as, you know, as we said, it's always about fire safety. Are you better off staying safe and doing what you're, you're probably better at or are you doing what you're, you're very good at anyway? It, it, it's it's a tough one, and especially for some, for us to, to talk about because we don't know the fucking the mental side of getting in there. We just see it from the outside. And that's why I don't think a lot of people have actually talked about it because it's a very kind of personal thing and I don't like mm-hmm. even talking about it myself as pertains to him. But it was... It was kind of it was a little bit sad to see you last night with Tom Breeze because I think we respect him so much as a fighter. What happened last night was, and you know, give credit to his opponent as well, but it was kind of sad to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a tough one to watch. As you, you summed it up very well there. I mean, ultimately, I think his biggest challenges are, are the mental side of things, and and I think the big test here was kind of just ma- even just making that walk and, and getting into the cage. Yeah. And um, I mean, like, I know he's had some fights cancelled previously, and then he came back and. and knocked out Dan, Dan Kelly um but that was what two years ago now or, or almost two years ago um and he just like I mean as you said like I'll never know I'll never understand like the the grit the determination the heart the fighters have like they have more in abundance than I, I could ever dream to have but he really just he just looked like someone who didn't really want to be in there like once once the sh- once he was kind of mounted and the shots were coming down and he just kind of shelled up and it seemed like he kind of just accepted his fate and, and he mm-hmm. just kind of I don't want to say look for a way out or anything, but I mean he didn't look like he wanted to be in there, yeah. and it's sad because he's such an impressive athlete and and he has a lot of potential, um. But maybe I mean I, I said there that the his biggest challenge was getting in the cage, but like when you have kind of maybe those doubts and those anxieties and and those can creep into your actual performance and maybe it hasn't previously and now it's at the point where and as you said it's usually two years out so you can't just put it all down to that maybe it's just a bit of ring rust or whatever but yeah um yeah maybe let's see how he does in his next one but it's not a it's not a positive trend and it's 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 a little bit worrying um but yeah i mean i, I hope to see him back and i hope to see him back performing to his best um because he's he's really fun to watch. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, right, let's let's move on before we get to the big UFC card next week. Uh, there's a big Cage Warriors card as well. Cage Warriors uh, one twelve is uh, going down over in Manchester, and if you know, it's a really good card here, one of my favorite up and coming fighters is headlining Jack Cartwright is uh, fighting Manuel Bilic for the hundred thirty five pound title. An absolute fucking animal came in in that that tournament, wasn't it? Knocked like two yeah. lads out in the one night. Yeah, it was just really night. really good. So I'm really looking he's forward. He's the to underdog that. as well in the tournament, wasn't he? he came yeah, out he was, and yeah. no nobody was really talking about him coming in and then he just starched Scott Malone and Marco uh, I'm going to bush this name Kovac- Kovacavich there you so, go that's yeah. the one yeah. it, it, um, that's the he's got a rat's tail it's, like, fuck love it. it's <laughs> the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life but I love it so much he did a he did a take over the uh, cage warrior social media as well the other day that was I thought was really really funny as well just giving out about people on social media but that's it, Jack Harris type of guy where you have a night like that you know man it can change you, you know it happened to Rowan Canero back in the day as well where he went into that tournament and he got into the UFC because of it may or maybe didn't go his way in the end but that kind of happens sometimes where you won big night even like uh, I mean Mech when he beat um, what's his name fucking oh god the, the leg lock specialist from Brazil oh, um, uh, uh, Pat Harris Pat Harris yeah and, you know, kind of made his whole career uh, even though maybe he's not as not as good as maybe we had hoped but that kind can kind of happen and you know Jack Hartwright you know that he's only 7-0 as well so maybe he's not as good as, yeah. as, as I hope either but he, you know he has time to prove it here now do you, do you think he can get a uh, UFC contract with this win because he's defending his title and he's I mean it's in Manchester that's where he's from or he's fighting out of Manchester anyway. I'm not sure if he's actually from Manchester I think he might be I can't yeah. remember but um, uh, he's fighting out of there 
headline in, in a, like you know he's in a, in a big spotlight here defending his title he's undefeated he knocks people out so you'd have to think that the UFC are going to be watching this fight yeah definitely it's, you know 135 I think at 135 there are so many people there and he's only 7 fights and give him time yeah. <laughs> really they give give him time like lads like this they, they definitely need time and especially you know he's only fought on six nights as well <laughs> you know, I, I know he's fought seven, five, seven times but he fought twice in one night so it that experience i know that fighting twice in one night is a fucking great experience i suppose but that the experience just isn't there yet and even you know for like we'll talk about paul hughes in a second but paul hughes and gary and things you know building that experience is huge a lot of people always look at conor mcgregor and say oh, i want to get to where he got to but how did he get there i think he'd what 15 fights or something before he got to the ufc yeah. And that's a good betting to get to where you want to get there. So I think it's it's no harm and for that. I don't, for I don't think there's one fight that I'm not sure of because it doesn't actually, it never showed it on topology, but um, I don't think he's ever been outside the first round in his pro career. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, that's something like, you, we don't know what he's going to be like in, in round two or round three. or I could be wrong there because there's one fight that I, I haven't seen it and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't say the round or anything, uh, but he won by Keylock. So, um, yeah, well, like what happens when he gets dragged into deep waters and you don't want to be on the UFC stage when when you're kind of posed with those questions. You want to kind of have that knowledge and have like, let's say you're in a, in a tough fight, you're dragged into the third round, you need to have that grit and resolve and, and know that you can kind of pull it out of the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, that, that would, you can't have that happen on your UFC debut because then the those thoughts start to linger into your mind and... Uh, yeah, but I mean, he's he's a very talented prospect, and I'm very excited to see this fight. Yeah, me too, hundred percent. And there's a lot of Irish uh, talent, I suppose you'd call it, on on this uh, card as well. Uh, you've James Sheehan is fighting. Uh, you've uh, James Webb, obviously, who's kind of half Irish, having we will claim him anyway. And uh, you've Paul Hughes, obviously, one of the the best up and comers uh, in 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 Ireland at the moment. It's a big fight for Paul Hughes, Aaron, isn't it? Aaron McGuire as well. Aaron McGuire as well. Yeah, I, I, geez, I, I, the poor Cork lads are always getting forgotten. But Aaron McGuire is kind of like he's three and one. You know, and me, you know, I think he's training that, the lads in that gym as well. And he's a guy who yeah. might maybe forget at times. But what about Paul Hughes? This like. Talking to Ian Gary last week at Bellator and stuff, and everyone coming up to him and saying, Oh, you're going to be on the UFC card. You know, it's the same thing with Paul Hughes, but Paul Hughes, 4 0 now. If he wins this, going to 5 0, maybe he's one more in Belfast, get to 6 0. Could be on the. I, I still think it's a bit early for, for both of those lads, yeah. but it's, it's Look, a big I, fight I, for him, though, isn't yeah. it? I love watching Paul Hughes fight. I mean, I've, I've talked to him a number of times, and, and I don't want to see him on. The, I mean, I'd love to see him on the UFC Dome card, don't get me wrong, but I, I'd rather see Paul. As you said, the same with Jack Cartwright, and even more so with Paul. He's only he's only four fights in. Um, like give him a bit of time, let him develop a bit more, and then look to push. I think with Paul, I mean, I think if he makes a statement here um, in Manchester, I think he's going to start calling. I have a feeling, a sneaking suspicion, he might start calling some guys out because um, he's always been a guy that's he's found it tough to get matched up and. And I know he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder about that, so I think we can expect him to maybe get on the mic and, and call some people out. But I think. May what I see is is if he gets through this fight here, get a um a more high profile or a bigger name in Cage Warriors in the May card, and then start pushing towards that title. So I think maybe one fight here, then another fight um in Belfast, and then maybe you could get a title shot after that in Cage Warriors, and then look, it's maybe the next time the UFC comes around. Mm-hmm. That would be my thinking for Paul, and the same with the likes of being Gary and and even Joe McCalgan probably. Um, I mean, a, Joe is kind of in a different scenario. Um, 
because he's a, he's a little bit more tenured in his career. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a little bit too early for the vast majority of them, I think. Yeah, obviously, Reese McKee is the one that probably will be on it yeah. if he wins in the in the summer. So yeah, that's it. You know, I suppose it's a it's a a, a discussion for another day with, with the UFC Ireland. Yeah. But look, a, a big fight for Paul Hughes against uh, Yuri Pineda, one hundred and fifty pounds. He's four and one as well. So that's a, a big yeah. fight for him there. Was, was one of the most talented up and comers in Ireland, I think. Yeah, um, he's, he's his skill set is very well rounded. He's shown he can do. Um, it's he's he kind of has a touch of the uh, uh, the Nathaniel Woods going into the UFC where Paul, you know, knew him as this kind of amazing striker coming in his debut, put on an amazing performance, mm-hmm. um, and then he's been kind of submitting guys at, um, the last number of fights. Yeah, 100%. So. And, you know, Aaron Maguire as well, as you mentioned, if he goes to 4-1 here, I'm sure, you know, he'll be there or thereabouts for a big fight in Cork as well when they come back uh, in, in the in the summer as well. So it's a big fight for him. And as, as we mentioned, James, uh, James Sheehan, you know, okay, he lost Ian Gary in his last fight, but I think the way everyone speaks about Ian Gary, how good of a prospect he was, and that was, a, you know, that was a close fight. You know, okay, early Ian Gary hurt his hand and everything and almost got the knockout, but James Sheehan stayed in that fight. And that was a... You know, Ingari Gary won all three rounds, but it was a close fight. And if you know, if you can stay what there with it, a prospect like that, you're a good prospect yourself. Yeah, what's it about Team Rhino fighters that they're just so tough hard? Fuck, yeah. They're all <laughs> tough. tough like, fuck, they're yeah. all so tough. Animals, yeah, every single one. And you, you know, there's the quality as well because you saw uh, Constantine Blanche. I know I keep going on about that fight, but he like he had that toughness yeah. and he was fucking good as well. Like so, there's you know, there's a lot. You saw Paul Redmond's uh, improvements as well last week, but there, those lads are are animals. Um. You've Martin Stapleton as well back on this card, Adam Proctor as well. But the James Webb Mick Stanton fight. Watching a bit of Mick Stanton last night about fucking five o'clock in the morning after after, uh, <laughs> after the UFC fight. He he's not you know he's not exactly like James Webb, but I think he's he in some of his fights he tries to be a dominating wrestler as well like Webb does in in a, a lot of his fights. And I think this is going to be like a a, a real tough nose battle for for that takedown. A lot of scrambles here, a lot of pushing against the cage. I don't think it might. I don't think it'll be with a daddy fight of the year contenders or anything. But it's one, especially you know, James Webb obviously coming back off the loss to Natias Frederick in in the, where he lost his uh, his title. It's a it's a huge fight for him, isn't it? And, you know, Team KF with Chris Fields coming back as well. We'll definitely mention uh, mention that. And uh, Ian Gary fighting in a few weeks again. And I see Tom King over there winning jiu-jitsu tournaments yesterday. Uh, it's it's a big time for the for the gym and a huge fight for James Webb, isn't it? Coming back off that Natalia Frederick loss. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm almost more excited to see James Webb fight now, um, just because he's kind of he's lost the title and just to see how he rebounds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the fact that he's not fighting five rounds this time, I mean, but the last two have been five rounds, so that's that's got to be take a serious toll, kind of in the in the lead up to the fight in your fight camp, and um, you might maybe a bit more energetic and, and kind of be able to put push more and push the pace more and, and kind of exert himself knowing that he only has to kind of go over three rounds mm-hmm. um, but yeah as you said like, I don't think it's going to be any amazing fight I think we'll see a lot of kind of cage work and, and uh, maybe some ground and pound and stuff like that but um, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see I think um, it might it, the, the weight of the title and the fact that okay he had those two fights with Matthias Frederick he, he's le- a little less pressure on him as well so he can just kind of uh, let the hands go and, and you know I'm interested to see, see how he, he uh, rebounds here so yeah, me too. He's uh, a likable guy as James as well. He so he's fun. He's fun to, to claim as Irish. Yeah, and he gave me his belt that time below Cork as well, which yeah. I always wanted to hold the belt. So it's, yeah, know, he was. Um, I was, was interviewing Chris there the other day. Uh, I was like, oh, there's the. Oh yeah, he came in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh no, he's the Niall Quinn now. He's the Niall Quinn of Irish. I don't understand that one. But I, did, I, I didn't get that at all. To be honest, <laughs> I, I actually think Chris Fields is more than Niall Quinn yeah, of Irish. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest. <laughs> 
But... He's got the salt and pepper hair now as well. So. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, but anyway, right, let's move on to UFC 248. Just a huge card. A really, really good card. Even some of the undercard fights. Um, you have uh, Marco Madsen coming back here again against uh, Austin Hubbard. Sean O'Malley back after a good bit out against uh, Jose Alberto Quinones. Gerald Marshart's on the card. Emily Whitmire, who you know, a lot of people uh, like. You've Alex Oliveira opening up the main card against Max Griffin. Neil Magny against uh, Lee Jang Liang. My boy, Benil Dariush versus Drakkar Klaus. And what I think is a really, really, really good fight. And you have the two big title fights. Which title fight are you look most looking forward to? Israel Adesanya versus Yoel Romero or Zhang Weili versus Ioanni Jacek? Definitely Izzy versus Yoel. Uh, I mean, I, lo- I love them both, but I really can't wait for this Israel Adesanya fight. Um, I, th- I think they're both very... They're very similar fights, I think. Um, in that, I think, like... When you look at it from the striking perspective, Adesanya and uh, Yoni and Jacek, they've been more kind of, I think, more technical or, or polished, I guess, on the feet. Um, but then, like, you've got the, the power that the kind of Jean carries and, and Romero could just switch the lights out. Like, when I was looking at I was watching, going back and watching some of, like, Adesanya and Romero's fights, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, I think Adesanya's going to do the job here. Like, I think he potentially even stop him. But then, like, you go and watch some of Yoel's fights, and it's just like, He's just fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like he's so so terrifying, and he can just switch your lights out. Um, but oh, I can't, I can't wait. I don't like. I don't know what way to think about each of them. I've kind of constantly flipping from from one side to the other, and I just can't wait to just watch them. To be honest. Yeah, a hundred. Well, which which one are you? Uh, which one are you looking forward to? I'm I'm most looking forward to the the uh, Yin Jacek Zhang fight. To be honest, I just think it's gonna yeah. be a really it's good fight. There, there is. Let me. Uh, We'll get into that in a second. Let me talk about the Adesanya Romero fight first because you know when you're analyzing this fight, that's it's it's not hard to analyze how Yoel Romero is going to fight, but it's very hard, I think, to analyze how someone else is going to fight him. Like Romero, he he'll be like light and he's he jump 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 and then explode like seven times per fight. <laughs> you know that's the way Yoel Romero fights. We saw I went back and watched the Chris Weidman fight, and there was there was a good bit of grappling actually in that he grappled more than. Then maybe you'd you'd remember or whatever, but well, Wilder was kind of winning that fight, wasn't he? For yeah, well, everyone's kind of winning against Yoel Romero until they're not winning. <laughs> you yeah, know, a lot dang. of the time. Yeah, that's why it's so fucking scary. Yeah, that's why it is, and it's you know if it goes to decision, you're, and I said I, every time I fucking say this, it's the opposite happens. But if it goes to decision, you're probably talking about uh, Israel Adesanya winning. Even you know if Yoel Romero maybe knocks him down a couple of times, he might win those rounds. But if he knocks him down fucking three times, he's probably gonna <laughs> gonna finish him. So, but. Like the way he fights, it's it's a difficult prospect. You saw a Robert Whitaker fight him ten rounds, and he pushed him back, and he didn't give him time to get off. He you know he beat his kind of he beat his rhythm so that you know Yoel kind of waits, 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 bangs, and he's like wait, wait, and then Robert Whitaker came in there before he got the bang out. You know that that's a good way to fight Yoel Romero, but I don't think Israel Adesanya can necessarily fight him that way I don't think that's the sort of style Israel Adesanya is I think he's more of a technical tactical fighter now Israel and not to say that fucking uh, Robert Whitaker isn't but you know you know what I mean he's more of a kind of a he's more of a hard-nosed fighter than Israel Adesanya would be um but I think I think the smarts of Adesanya might find a different way of kind of winning this fight I feel like watching some of his and if you watch the um the Whitaker um Adesanya fight. No, I'm talking about Whitaker Adesanya, not Whitaker Romero. So Whitaker fighting Adesanya is like a fast forward version of Yoel Romero fighting Adesanya. I think because I, I, Yoel Romero did, will do it like seven times 
uh, per fight but per ex- 25 ex- minutes ex- yeah Whitaker will do it like 7 times per minute <laughs> you know it's one of, one of those ones where he just attack 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 and you saw how Adesanya kind of dealt with that he was and he didn't deal with it brilliantly like he he took uh, well he did deal with it brilliantly but he took a few shots you know he had a few shots to land a few of his own he saw a knockdown at the end of the first round but every time he maybe he landed those big counters he was eating a few shots as well I don't think you can afford to do that against Joel Romero I think you kind of have to go on the attack go on do you think it'll be easier for Adesanya to gauge considering that as you said like Whitaker kind of threw more in volume, whereas um, Romero will kind of he'll he'll bounce kind of side to side, and then he'll just explode. So mm-hmm. it would be easier to kind of to defend it and kind of see that coming. It's considering it's there's uh, less volume. No, I actually think it's harder <laughs> because <laughs> you don't know where it's going to come from. But like, I think the thing is to not let it happen, and I think he, I think he'll do that by. I think he'll do that by being long. You know, you said he's a big, long fighter. Like, maybe in Jacek yeah. will try to be long as well. I think he's front kicks. We saw the Anderson Silva fight. Like, Anderson Silva is not a million miles away from Yoel Romero in terms of the way he kind of stands there, waits, and picks his shots. He does it more than Yoel, and he doesn't do it with as much ferocity, maybe, or as Yoel, or more, as... Does it, does it in a different style. In a different so. style, yeah. But wh- how Israel... Uh, uh, dealt with that was by you know front kicks to the head high kicks over the top big long jabs and jabs to push him against the cage so he can't really attack from there I think that's how he'll he'll do it against Romero as well now he's coming out and he's saying he's going to knock out Romero so maybe he will just go forward and attack him and you know be that fighter I don't think Joel Romero is a particularly great uh, counter fighter when pushed backwards I think if Mm. he's standing in the middle of the cage and someone throws a shot and he counters he's absolutely brilliant there but you know those 10 rounds against uh, Whitaker. I, I think uh, I think maybe he didn't struggle there but I don't think he's as good there as he as he was but I think it's yeah. it's a very interesting tactical fight isn't it yeah and like you know, you'd be way better at breaking down the, the the intricacies of the fight than I am no fight analyst but I think that Adesanya's his, his height and his reach can really play a factor here I mean he's what mm-hmm. 6 foot 4 but, yeah. and UL's 6 foot I think he's got something like a 6 and a half inch reach advantage as well over him so I mean I think if like we saw Romero in the Paolo Costa fight. I mean, he he looked kind of hurt it a, a number of times, and obviously Costa has huge power. But I think that Adesanya potentially could finish Romero here. Like I, I can see a scenario where he finishes him purely from just using his range and just picking him off against the fence, maybe, and, mm-hmm. and just wearing him down and maybe getting a stoppage in the later rounds. Um, because keep in mind that Yoel, okay, he's got to explode, but he's also punching up. And I know, but like pe- people kind of, he's got this explosive, this explosive power and everything. But it, when you're exploding and and you're punching up and you're, you're down you have a six and a half inch reach disadvantage mm-hmm. you're going to swing a miss on occasion and that's going to take a lot out of you so yeah. Romero's never been someone who's I mean he's an elite athlete but his gas tank has come into question in the past and um, it'll be interesting to see kind of if it goes to the later rounds if if, you're, if Adesanya can drag him into those Which and we've seen like every, t- every fight that Adesanya's gone into no matter, even though I know he's such a high-level striker, it's the age-old thing of when you see them side by side and you look at Romero or you look at Costa or whoever it may be in a fight and you see just they're a mammoth of a, of a human. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus, I'm fucking scared from here. Yeah. But then, but I think Adesanya in, in that uh, Gaston fight really proved that he can take take mm-hmm. take huge shots and he can kind of come through adversity and and, and shine as the the rounds get later and later. And he's he's been put into uh, dragging uh, to deep waters and stuff like that. So I think if it got the later it goes, the more it favors Adesanya mm-hmm. or Adesanya as he's as he's, uh, he's yeah. supposed to. Be 
100%. I do agree with that as well, but I feel like Yoel Romero, you know, you, you, what you said there 100% or Yoel Romero about the, the cardio issues, but I think like some people, you know, they'd, they'd fight the way Yoel Romero does and then they change it up because maybe they'll get tired in the fifth round, but I think Yoel Romero has actually kind of gone more into it and the fact that I'm just going to look for that one big shot all the time and it's kind of, I think, helped these cardio issues a little bit because the fact that he's only throwing like four shots around actually helps him that he's not getting tired yeah. uh, as much as maybe he used to, but... Yeah. <laughs> He'll, he'll kind of recognize that Adesanya is just elite as elite comes on the feed and he uses the rest of it more. I, that's what I was going to say. I, no, I don't because I just... <laughs> he loves him Like he should. He should do yeah. it, but I just feel like Yoel Romero fights the way Yoel Romero does. And when you when you see someone like Yoel Romero who goes like 10 rounds against Robert Whitaker and he, he sticks to that ruthlessly, that's a guy who can't be changed. Like that, that's a guy who's gonna fight that way. No, like I actually think if he went in there with a better game plan to just he, he should strike. I think against uh, Israel and because there's a he can 100 percent knock him out. But I think mm. he, he'd be better off changing up as well because you know we talked about it when you're attacking with that one big shot. If you're attacking from a place where you just got a takedown five minutes ago. That makes the guy think, oh, is he going to go for a takedown or is he going to go for this flying knee or whatever it might be, you know, and, and that opens it up a little bit. So I think variety in MMA is a huge thing. We talk about it all the time. But I think if he was a little bit more varied with his attacks, he'd make him even harder to read. He's hard enough to read anyway because he doesn't throw that many. You know, we, we talk about Dominic Cruz, you know, all the time. He said, oh, he's getting these reads. He's getting the reads. Yoel Romero doesn't really give you reads because he doesn't throw that much. Like, and that's what makes it tough. But, you know, it's it's a really interesting fight, really intriguing fight. And, you know, as you say, and I, I think the same. If it goes five rounds, I think Adesanya will probably win. But... If it goes four minutes and 59 seconds, Joel Romero is yeah. still in it. He really is. He really fucking is. He's one of those fighters. He's, he's still in it to the very last second, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And in the Diwani and Jacek, Zhang Weili fight, like watching Zhang Weili fight, uh, you know, uh, there isn't that much on her there, apart from the, maybe the Tisha Torres fight, and it's hard to look good and hard to gauge against Tisha Torres because she's such a, uh, such a tough person to look good against, but... Watching her fight, I'm like, she's just a terrible matchup for Ioanni and Jacek, I think, in terms of what has gone wrong for Ioanni and Jacek, uh, especially against Rosnam Yunus in those two fights. But then watching Ioanni and Jacek against Watterson, okay, it's a very, very different matchup. But there seemed to be more of a dog in her, you know what I mean? There seemed to be more of, uh, like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not letting this fight go the way people want it to go, I'm not sticking rigidly to this Muay Thai stance that maybe has been found out a little bit I'm going to drag you against the cage I'm going to pull you down and actually that's not a bad way to fight against Zhang Weili now in <laughs> maybe it is as well because in some of her fights that has happened and she's she's an absolute beast she's a an athlete as well as a technician and she's able to pull women down and and uh when you know when they try to wrestle her and things like that but I think Ian Jacek has always been good in the clinch. We saw her in a couple of fights against Claudia yeah. Gadelia, where Gadelia maybe managed her in the clinch, or uh, uh, dom- maybe not dominated her in the clinch, but she was winning the position in the clinch. But Ioana Ian Jacek was never really dominant. She managed that clinch, I think, very well. But if she can kind of get, you know, keep improving in that, obviously, and bring it into this fight like she did against Watterson, and push her against the cage, and maybe take, you know, take the, the storm, weather the storm early, I think she has a very, very good chance. Now, you know, I think she struggles against dynamic strikers, big left hooks, as we saw against um, Rosanam Yunus, and that's what, that's what Zhang Weili is. So, I think if this stays on the feet, you know, you know I'm not going to rule you and Jacek out totally on the feet, she's a really good striker, but I, I would, I would, uh, I would favour Zhang there, but, 
I think this is another really interesting tactical fight. It's one that could end in fucking 20 seconds, or it's one that could be a five-round fucking brawl. I really think it is. I'm I'm looking forward to it. How, how do you see it? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, and I think you touched, what you touched on there about the clinch is, is great. Um, like, if you look at that uh, Wei Li Zhang versus Jessica Andrade fight, that's really what won her the, the fight there. She absolutely battered her when she got yeah. to the clinch. Those knees and, and strikes. But I don't think she's going to do that to Young Jacek. However, that's kind of the unknown to me. It's like, okay, well, I think this will kind of define how the fight goes like if when they get the clinch if Zhang is overpowering in Jacek I think that's a terrible terrible sign mm-hmm. for Joanna um I think I do think that Joanna's the most uh, the highest caliber fighter that that Zhang has ever faced I think she's a level above kind of anyone she's she's fought before and especially on the feast um specifically so I mean I do think they'll it'll be a very back and forth fight on the feet but I think maybe Zhang carries a little bit more power mm-hmm. um Jacek, I mean, she was so dominant for so many years, but it was always, she never really had that kind of massive knockout power. It was always, she just kind of picked girls apart and, and just kind of toyed with them on the feet. But mm-hmm. slowly, as the years have gone by, people have been catching up and catching up on her and, and it's just not really working for her as well. And it's more, I don't want to say like a points fighting style, but to an extent it is. Um, and I think, I don't know, like, I don't know, I don't know which way to lean one way or the other. I'm, I'm fucking terrible at picking fights anyway, so mm-hmm. um, I'd probably get it wrong, but... I think really the 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 strength and the the clinch will really define kind of how we go here. But um, yeah, Zhang just looks terrifying. But it's hard to to pick against her. But when she hasn't fought anyone the caliber of Yin Jacek, it's there's also that unknown. So um, I'm just again just looking forward to seeing this one play out because I, I really don't know how it's gonna go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I I'd pick Zhang, but like I wouldn't at all be surprised if Yin Jacek did two or three rounds of wearing her out against the cage. And then you remember, you know that, and you know I'm not comparing them, but the um, the Carla Esparza fight, you know, where did we this Joanna violence, I suppose, was born. She was doing that to a lot of people, but she was wearing them away and destroying them. Um, I think she has to do that a different way. I think you like the third round against um, against Tisha Torres. Zhang had taken a bit of damage in that fight and she looked a little bit tired you know the way she fights like that uh, you know with, with such dynamism such attacking prowess you, that's going to make you tired I think if Joanna Injecek can, uh, Joanna sorry can push her against the cage and weather that early storm I think she will yeah. get tired I think Joanna is more prepared and better schooled to go five rounds so if she can drag her into deep waters I could see her getting the finish in the fourth or fifth round as well but I just think that it's going to be very, very tough to uh, to weather that storm in all honesty. Yeah, I know you're not someone who puts too much weight in the mental side of things, but given there was kind of that back and forth with the whole uh, coronavirus joke, um, yeah. do you think that there's a danger that Zhang may come out like overly aggressive into this fight, like really trying to put another statement out there and, and, and knocking her out quickly like she did to Andrade? And, Normally and, I, w- I would, but I feel like that's the way she fights anyway. You know, yeah. she, she comes out yeah, true, and she throws her. That's just the way... That's the way she might actually go by benefit her, you know, because <laughs> you might as well, you might as well keep doing that. But yeah, it's definitely a factor, you know. That there's there's the ambulance coming now for whoever gets knocked out. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking double. But yeah, look, it's 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 definitely a factor, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it anyway, whatever way it goes. Um, right, one or two questions here, uh, Brian O'Donnell. If you had to give an answer, do you think flyweight will be abolished, or will the, the UFC rescue it? What do you think? Just one more answer. Will it stay? 
Yes. I think it'll stay as well. Uh, Kieran Sherman says, uh, do we do Anderson versus Spencer next women's 145? Uh, neither of them no. have a chance versus Nunes. No, I think Nunes wants the, the 145 uh, tile shot. So you, uh, Spencer already submitted in the first round about yeah, two fights ago anyway. You do it there. So yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and I answer obviously the rest of them over in the, over in the Q&A. We have lots of questions over on Patreon. If you have any more questions, you're on Patreon here. Sign up as well. Patreon.com forward slash Severe May Podcast. Today is the first of the month, so you'll be getting a full month here for your your fiver it's it's uh it's definitely well worth it um before we go as well i was we mentioned chris fields earlier you interviewed him uh during the week i interviewed wonder boys of some um some good content there over on the severe mma youtube so um s- subscribe there chris fields like, i know you you tried to drag it out of him but he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't say he wants to get Maybe on four the, times <laughs> he wouldn't say he wants to get on the, the ufc car but you just feel like if he does win this Cage Warriors comeback fight, there aren't that many options. Like, and if he will, yeah. like, uh, I think he will, he will be on it if he win if he wins uh, comeback in Cage Warriors. What do you think? Yeah, the, 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 yeah. I don't know. I mean, so what? It's August, so he's fighting in April. I think he probably needs two fights to get on. So uh, I don't. I really don't know. It, it depends. So I think it also depends on how. They played out here. So, like, the, the light heavyweight title is currently vacant at the moment because Modestus Bukaukas mm-hmm. um, has signed with the UFC. So, if they, there's a possibility that they do put a, a vacant title on the line here, um, which would be, I think, a very smart move by Cage Warriors to have the likes of a form that you can sell a narrative. And not that they're trying to sell it's Cage Warriors, it's all about the fights. So, mm-hmm. but Chris Fields is a former Cage Warriors uh, world champion at, at 185, world champion, used lightly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it would be great to see Chris on on the UFC card. I mean, he came up in that wave of fighters where they are like it seemed like everyone except for maybe himself and, and Philip Peter and a few others um, didn't kind of get the call um, for whatever reason. But it would be great to see Chris on the card. I don't know if it's possible. I think it really depends on how the schedule plays out. I don't know if he can get in off one fight and he's be fighting in April. I mean, ideally, would he would he try to get on that? may card is that that's probably too soon it depends on how this fight would go as well mm-hmm. i mean maybe if he gets a quick finish he could turn around and, and fight again in may in, in belfast and that would give that would be a huge platform when you've got reese mckee fighting for a title yeah. the ufc eyes would be on that card anyway and um, it may be if you had chris fields fighting for their, uh, a light heavyweight title against someone that could then then you could be definitely looking at a, a ufc fight and he said to me that i mean he's 36 years old now and he's he's kind of looking to say okay i've got a few more fights left mm-hmm. and i think I think Chris is the type of guy who, I mean, I know MMA retirements are always fake. Mm-hmm. I'd maybe believe him a little bit more so because he's generally had his head screwed on. It's never been about kind of, although actually, no, hang on, this could be bollocks though because it's always been about the competition for Chris. So he'll always kind of have that competitive streak. So maybe, yeah. maybe, no, no, maybe he won't retire. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he won't retire. But um, I mean, that'd be a great way to kind of finish it off. But then again, if he's talking about retirement, what's, I mean, would the UFC find him for one fight just because he's Irish? Maybe. Yeah, um, I think if he got to the UFC, though, I don't think he'd be retiring anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but yeah, true. maybe just someone getting killed. Maybe if he gets to, uh, <laughs> maybe if he gets to cage warriors, <laughs> maybe he will have a couple in, and then retire. But anyway, right? Yeah. yeah, and obviously, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't listened to the Wonderboy interview as well, I did my best. Yeah. Come no, here, talk to us about. You know, we can't, we can't just like glaze over this. Yeah. Talk to us about the Wonderboy interview. Was it the best moment of your life? Yeah, it was like Dave Fogarty like text me. Do you want to interview Wonderboy? I was like, yeah. <laughs> like you could probably hear my voice. I actually I'm amazed I survived. I'm just getting over a fucking flu, and that day I was absolutely fucking dying with the flu, and 
like I, I was planning on doing something else interviewing someone else and I was like oh jeez I just can't do it now I'm fucking dying so and there was like a really bad line as well <laughs> it was like it was a bit of a disaster but I, I managed to get around anyway but yeah it was weird because and you know I've, I've said it before on this podcast I've never really been you know when I came into MMA I was more a fan of the sport than anyone else you know I saw the trade going around during the weeks like everyone had one fighter that got him into MMA and I never really had that you know I had like a friend coming up and fucking throwing on the UFC and making me watch it mm. and I like kind of like oh yeah this, this is kind of good and then I kind of got educated on the sport and started watching fucking tough and, and stuff like that and never really you know I like kind of Forrest Griffin coming up and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and all them guys and things but I was never really a big fan of him, but I kind of was, was when Wonderboy because I kind of saw him a few times before he came to the UFC and then he got into the UFC I was like oh look this lad's got to be unreal and I don't know I've always just kind of been a fan of Wonderboy and to interview him then uh, you know everything would kind of be a cakewalk after that so I, I, I remained professional and down the line anyway so it was all good so that was it anyway for a for a lad it's not too bad isn't it for a lad who fucking never wanted to interview anyone interviewed fucking Vincent henderson conor mcgregor uh wonder by all in the space of about three months not too bad yeah. is it? for this old fact of a website chill. this old fucking <laughs> fact of a website here the best the best website in irish mma oh, is there another one i'm not sure there's any other one <laughs> There probably is. I don't want. I don't want to. I, I don't want to no, talk definitely shit about is. Yeah, there probably is. Um, yeah, fair play to them. Everyone's doing. I, I think it's a good time for people covering uh, MMA in Ireland. But I think. Yeah. I think around the world. I was actually thinking about it. I Man United are going playing, so I must get off this. But I was thinking about it there the other day. I was like, you know, I, okay, I'm selling my Patreon here a little bit. But I think like if you trust someone's voice and you trust them not to be like you know under the guise of an editor who makes them do or say things or you know. Oh, you know, having been forced to do that, you know, being forced to do the things that they don't want to do, and you know, if they were to do it the other way, it might be a little bit better. Like we don't have that. I'm my own fucking editor. You know, if you see me in an article, it's coming through me, and I'm putting it up. Or, you know, and I think like, okay, if you don't like me, you think I'm a dickhead or something. Don't bother signing up to Patreon, yeah, and you're right not to. Ninety-seven percent. Yeah, hundred percent. But if you are, like, I think the world is changing. I think like. I think there's very few people who I would actually like trust my money to give them to to give me a take that I maybe not like or maybe not agree with all the time but at least it's coming from a place of at least you know that's someone's opinion and you can agree mm-hmm. and disagree with it where sometimes I don't think that's always the case and you know it's it, and I'm not and you know I'm not blaming any specific people or anything you know all, all over the world but it's I think it's a changing world and a changing landscape where you know, I think actually individuals and independent people will actually give you a better voice at times than maybe like the mainstream, you know, not to go full fucking yeah. Eddie Bravo here or anything <laughs> on it, but I, I, like before. There's I, never I, been a better time for that stuff as well. Really like, the the platforms yeah. are there now, the technology is mm-hmm. there where you don't have to rely on, on a big uh, corporation or a big mm-hmm. um, kind of to be behind you. I mean, I think, uh, as you said, like the fact that at the Bellator event there last weekend it was great to see so many kind of different outlets and, and mm-hmm. young up and comer like, like I'm I'm no like journalist or anything like that but like just the, the people who like I'd say like myself kind of have only gotten like I only got into the sport fully honestly in the kind of the McGregor era let's be real like I watched the, nope. my, 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 my old lad would be watching I'd be watching uh, Tough with my old lad like mm-hmm. when he'd be pissed drunk watching <laughs> fucking whoever on that so that was kind of like I used to watch the odd episode here or there but I mm-hmm. never really I got into it until then, but I mean, if you look around the events, I think it was um, was it Karen Cunningham or someone put up um, a post yeah, on Twitter was, yeah. saying like, "Oh, I don't recognise any of these." And I think that's actually a testament to. I mean, it's it's bad in a way that the the mainstream media should be covering the sport in Ireland, but it's also good in a way that 
clearly those are MMA sites or they're, they're people who are actually invested in MMA and are, who are going to give you a perspective from an educated viewpoint rather than just say, not to sing that anyway, like just using it as, a, as an example, RTE or whatever a big outlet may be, where maybe they would send a generic sports reporter there who, mm-hmm. who doesn't really have a full understanding of MMA or, or the landscape or, or the various, there's, there's so many different intricacies to the sport. It's not just which is this fighter going to be that fighter like this it's just so complex and, and so many narratives and storylines so i think it's a good thing that um so many kind of like as you said like independent or or mma specific outlets yeah. and, and people are kind of covering the sport now and it's the fact that irish mma is on the rise and there's a bit of a rebirth again that that can only do good things for the media side of things too so um i think it's the future is bright for irish mma yeah I, like when, I, when that post came out as well you you said there's a, it's a very you know intricate and specific sport there's no other sport like mma there really isn't because <clears throat> MMA fans will immediately find out someone who isn't completely on their game. Like even I'm sure people give out about fucking you or me or oh, you know still and even people you know I've been fucking covering the sport for ten years and I'd still make mistakes and things like that. But like it's 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 impossible to know yeah. the absolute. You have to be obsessed with it. It has to yeah. fucking ruin your life before you can you can that, cover that, that's MMA. That's exactly. Properly. I remember like a couple of years ago. I'd be listening. I used to listen to every fucking MMA podcast mm-hmm. on the sun. Like once I kind of got into MMA, I was hooked. It was yeah. it was like injected into my veins, and I was listening to every single MMA show out there. And I'd be listening away, and I'd hear someone make a, a point of like, oh, "That's this fucking idiot here. Who was he? Me. He's, 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 he's this fighter. Like, how are you forgetting this fighter?" Yeah. And then I actually grow a set of balls and actually be like, "Okay." maybe i'll go on a podcast and then i'm like uh, uh this uh fight uh really good i don't know what i'm talking about welcome to and my just, world <laughs> like every i'm sure plenty of people like this fucking idiot online here um yeah. but yeah like there's just there's, you're never you're never gonna, gonna know everything and yeah. there are plenty of people who know way more than me or you or mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely it. you but, uh, <laughs> definitely me. but like that's it but like people you know there's always a thing and I've kind of stopped saying it like people were like oh you know RTE should be covering it or fucking the independent or whatever stop I think we need to stop waiting for that like I'm here right now we're here covering it right now I'm sitting here and fucking recording this for an hour and 15 minutes and 20 seconds we're here you know for the price of fucking three papers a month you could sign up to our patreon and support us and keep us going and this is maybe a long seller or anything but like i feel passionately about like I, i've signed up to a few different people like i think philip o'connor does good work you know philip's well you know he's been barba you either love him or hate him but i like i like the stuff phil does I, I you know i signed up i, I like wrestling i signed up to dave Meltzer's thing cost like 100 quid a year we're, we're like half the price of that or something but i, I think it's worth it because you like it and you know I really, yeah. I really, like, really think that's the way it works. The, the likes of the big outlets, they're not going to get involved until they have to, until exactly. they, they really realise. And the way, the best way that we, the, in MMA fans in general, can do that in Ireland especially, is just supporting like the local events. Mm-hmm. Like Get to like the Cage Legacies. Get to, like, There's a show up in Drogheda on the 14th of March. Get to, there was a Clan War show up in Belfast this weekend just gone by. Um, there's Cage Conflict, I think, is next weekend as yeah. well. Um, there's like there's lots of different shows kind of popping up now where previously there weren't, and I know the majority of them are up north, and and uh, even the the cage like show is shows up in Drada, so it's kind of towards the north. But they've had shows in in, in Cork and Limerick and stuff before, and mm-hmm. um, just getting to these local shows and supporting, and like I'm, that's something that I like, I'm, not, I'm not saying oh I've done this all the time, um, like I've this will be my first kind of like local show that I'll be going to um, in person anyway. 
uh, to Cage Legacy. So like, it's, it's important to get to these shows and support that. And then that's how the sport can grow and, and we can build kind of a bigger following for it. And that's when the mainstream, like when you get away from just the, the Conor McGregor narratives and, and just like focusing on the, on the negatives of the sport or or his, his triumphs and his, his uh, defeats and, and all that type of stuff. And mm-hmm. focusing on the likes of say, like there was a few articles, like I saw John Cavanaugh was uh, putting out a tweet appreciative of it. And like the likes of Kieran Clark, where he's coming from like an area like Drogheda where there's a lot of negative press right now and, and he's kind of, putting something good into it and the likes of Will Flurry who's like just a hard working hard, like hard nosed mm-hmm. just everyday guy like who's just trying to look at it from a competitive point of view and it's not about necessarily the, the glitz and the glamour of it it's just about like really wanting to be the best yeah. and, and pushing yourself forward in the sport so 100%. support the local fighters support the local promotions and that's how we can grow the sport yeah. around and, and it's not just us as well like uh, we support the local press like if you see a photo Jerry has of your favourite fighter yeah. or says, you know spread that or the UK MMA crowd that were over the last day yeah, or whoever KO whoever Media follow like the, yeah. all these guys are kind of and they're doing it at their own time and, and, course, yeah. and like really just because like ultimately it, let's be real like the media are fans and always will be to an extent yeah. like, that's why that's why they're covering the sport. There's yeah. many other sports that you can probably get into and be easier to get jobs and more mm-hmm. money and all that stuff. And most people don't make any money from the sport. So it's all out of, out of a passion. So uh, I think, I think as well though, there, there are a lot of fans, but I think it's, because of podcasts like this and other people talking about it as well I think there's a more of an understanding because lots of people start as fans but you can change and become someone who covers the sport properly and I, I really thought there was a, a real changing of the guard kind of at the that most recent Bellator because it wasn't the best you know card in the world there was no real exciting you know fighting or no exciting talkers or anything and it, you know James Haskell was there and afterwards and it would have been easy to ask a fucking stupid question or make herself look like a dickhead but no one did it like I thought everyone handled themselves very very well and there was a lot of you know as you said there was lots of people there who were maybe not the most experienced people in the world there was only probably three or four really experienced people there but I thought everyone handled themselves very very well and very professionally and look Come on, we're we're all we're all in together. MMA will improve. But anyway, we're gone mad. I'm just going to watch <laughs> fucking men. We just went fucking insane. But anyway, Andy, I really enjoyed it. Might get you on back yeah. on next week. We'll it's, see who we'll we'll next squad. Graham's still gone. Oh yeah, Graham. We should have mentioned that to start, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually Graham now. Graham, <laughs> Graham is in Brazil. Graham, yeah, Graham, Graham just left. Graham died. Graham died. <laughs> <laughs> who cares anyway? Fucking he, over with Shawnee the Redeemer. That was a lovely photo. But anyway. Jesus, McGregor must be paying well these days. <laughs> 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 fucking chill <laughs> fucking chill right thanks everyone for listening all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week either you run the day or the day runs you oh, Jesus <laughs> see you next Tuesday or Sunday or Monday or whatever it is <laughs>